0: Hey all you hoppers, it's your favorite podcaster Dave coming at you with a brand new episode of Dave's Hoppin' Beats. The show where we look at my favorite albums from each year, from 1959 onwards, learn a tad about their history, and nerd out a bit about some of my favorite musical moments. On this very special first episode, we'll be looking at the golden year of jazz. That's right, 1959, and what made it so special. Uh, But before we dive in, since this is the first episode, I want to talk a little bit about why I decided to... Make this podcast uh, recently i 've been feeling this urge to share some of my musical passions with the world. I love music so much there 's so much great music out there, and I just want to share it with everybody. You know I just feel this this fire within me, and I want to share it with everybody else around me. Maybe that makes me kind of weird, but i don 't care i, I just i 've always been such a huge musical nerd. I love learning about music and the artists who make it. I love listening to albums, I love discovering new music, and I hope that I can help you discover new music and new artists on this show. Something I've noticed recently, too, is that a lot of people tend to avoid listening to albums in particular, preferring just to listen to specific songs or singles from an artist. To me, that's honestly kind of a disgrace. Um, Only listening to singles from an artist or from an album is like only watching specific scenes from a movie without watching the whole thing. Like watching an action scene from Indiana Jones without watching all of Indiana Jones. It's like getting a meal from a fancy restaurant and you choose only to eat the french fries. It's disgraceful. It should honestly be culturally unacceptable. It's like getting a meal from a... um, It is my hope that I can introduce you to some of the greatest albums from each year and perhaps explain a little bit of why I love this music so much. Maybe get you to appreciate new sounds and music i don't know i I hope that through this podcast you'll be able to appreciate music just a little bit more but before we dive in i want to talk a little bit about the year 1959 why i decided to start here um yeah why did i start decide to start here why not with 1955 or 1963 or any other music uh, year in musical history um i think the biggest reason is because for a lot of people 1959 is regarded as the most important year in the history of jazz, and I would consider it to be one of the greatest years for music in the 20th century. This year alone saw the birth of unique time signatures, modal jazz, free jazz, and innovations in bebop and hardbop, all of which we'll be talking about today on the show. 1959 for me is like looking into a seer stone. In many ways, it foreshadowed the trends that popular music would follow in the coming decades. I decided today to highlight six albums that for me represent what made the year such a wonderful moment in musical history i ranked all these albums from least favorite to favorite because honestly they're just all so good and while i hate to use the word masterpiece too frequently to get it to lose some of its meaning i would definitely say that many of these albums are masterpieces they're absolute jazz essentials um If you're interested in hearing some of this music, as well as some other great tunes, feel free to listen to my playlist on Spotify. I have a playlist that features the best songs of 1959. It also features many other songs that I won't mention on this list. Um, And I recognize that for a lot of people when I say the word jazz, it's kind of difficult to get into. It's probably the most unapproachable genre of music to get into. It's very abstract sometimes. It's kind of uh it's almost like if you know you know kind of a deal but um and i admit when i first started listening to jazz i wasn't a huge fan either what changed for me was i watched ryan or damien chazelle's classic movie even though it just came out a few years ago just amazing film la la land and in it, ryan gosling's character just is completely enamored with jazz he loves it so much and seeing his excitement for jazz got me curious as to why he was so in love with it. And I started listening to it more. I listened to some of the genres or some of the albums on this list. And um, the more I listened to it, the more I fell in love with it. And I invite you to listen to at least one album that's on this list. And if you do, I promise that maybe you won't fall in love with jazz right away. But over time, you'll begin to see some of the more intricacies in it. And you'll begin to fall in love with it like I fell in love with it. And anyways, without further ado, let's dive in. First up, we have Nina Simone's Little Girl Blue. Uh, Honestly you guys, Nina Simone is one of my favorite singer-songwriters ever. Her voice is one of the most unique, gorgeous, and frightening voices that you will ever find in popular music. For an example of this, look at her cover of I Put a Spell on You. It's honestly amazing and probably my favorite version of the song. One thing that makes her such a marvelous artist is is the musical diversity that is present on all of her songs. When she started off her career, she desired to be a classical pianist, and her classical influence can be seen throughout all of her discography. And while she started off in classical music, she eventually dipped her feet in jazz, blues, folk, R&B, gospel, and even a little bit of pop. Across her career, she released over 40 albums, which is incredible for any artist, but especially incredible if you consider that she was only in the musical industry for about 16 years. Little Girl Blue. Simone's debut album is a sign of good things to come, while also being a nostalgic LP. The album is definitely an homage to some of the great jazz singers, such as Billie Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald, all while being 100% Simone. That's what I love about this album in particular: is um, you just you can tell that it is heavily influenced by people from the past, but it also looks forward to the future. It, It also paves the way in a lot of regards. Apart from the excellent vocal work the standout for me is on the record is simone's piano playing as mentioned before simone wanted to be a classic piano a classical pianist and her skills transitioned perfectly into her jazz playing my favorite track on the album would have to be love me or leave me which the piano on this song is absolutely incredible the piano solo alone would have made the song an instant classic but it also is just such a great swinging hook has such punchy singing great line delivery, great uh, lyrics. It's just an awesome track and makes it one of my all-time favorite covers by Simone. Other standout tracks would have to be the Duke Ellington cover, Mood Indigo, the haunting Don't Smoke in Bed, and the single I Loves You Porky, which is one of Nina Simone's most famous and um, commercially successful tracks. One thing that I really appreciate about the album, though, is just the romantic, walking through a city at nighttime vibes that are all throughout the record it may not be nina simone's best but in my opinion it's an incredible jazz album and definitely one of the best albums from 1959 right after um, nina simone's little girl blue we have moanin by art blakely and the jazz messengers few bands are as highly respected or as beloved as art blakely as art blakey and the jazz messengers sorry it's art blakey not art blakely my bad this album definitely is Art Blakey's most respected work. The album really is a product of the times and is one of the essential hard bop records. Hard bop being a type of jazz that incorporates rhythm and blues, gospel music, and just plain old-fashioned blues. These, invlu- these influences can best be seen on the title track, Moanin'. And honestly, you guys, this is one of the essential jazz Titles, you know, it's one of the most famous jazz singles that you'll ever hear. It's amazing. I love the way how the piano leads into this delicious horn and sax line. The trumpet, the track features also some of my favorite improv moments with Lee Morgan delivering a great trumpet solo. While Morgan, while Monin is seen by practically everyone besides me as the standout track, and understandably so, uh, one of the standouts for me and probably my favorite is Are You Real? The opening line is just so joyful and vibrant. I don't know why, but when I listen to it, I picture walking down the streets of Hollywood in the 20s. Um, I just, it's just such a vibe. The other standout moments are Art Blakely's drum solos. Listen to the drum thunder suite and tell me that you haven't listened to a more thunderously booming drum solo. The whole album was recorded in just one day, which gives it a lively and fresh sound like crunching into a juicy apple. I was just plucked from the tree <laughs> i love every single track on this album it's essential listening for any jazz fan or even those who are trying to get into the genre coming in at the number four st- spot we have ornette coleman's the shape of jazz to come and like i mentioned earlier i've met a lot of people who say that they don't get jazz which is totally understandable it really is an acquired taste however if you are one of those people that don't get jazz Uh, I probably wouldn't recommend starting on this album. This album is definitely not for you. One thing that you need to understand going into this record is that during this time, jazz was dominated by a style called bebop. Bebop is a type of jazz that features fast tempos, complicated chord progressions, and improv. If you think of just a classic jazz song, that's probably bebop, right? Ever since it was popularized, popularized by Charlie the Bird Parker, It dominated the jazz scene. Ornette Coleman began his career as a bebop player, but as he attended jazz school he began to develop a new form of jazz that used principles called harmolodics. Coleman describes harmolodics as when harmony, melody, speed, rhythm, time and phrases all equal position in the results that come from the placing and spacing of ideas. Or in other words, it's like African music where each instrument plays equally important roles. This sound might appear chaotic or disorganized upon first listening, but the more you listen to it, the more you realize the chaos is intentional. Think of this whole album as organized chaos. Harmelodics are apparent on every track of the album, but Lonely Woman is perhaps the greatest or most famous example of the style. It was placed at the first track as a way to show the audience exactly what they were getting themselves into. Coleman's plastic saxophone, mingled with Cherry's trumpet is disorienting and slightly off-putting, and admittedly, the first time I listened to the track, I didn't know what to make of it, and I determined that I disliked it immensely. <laughs> One day, however, when I was listening to it, I came to the re- realization that I really loved it. I don't know what it was, it just it suddenly clicked in my mind. And I think that's how it will be for most people who listen to this album. They won't like it at first, but when it clicks, it really clicks. Ultimately, this is what I love so much about this album. Its uniqueness. It pushed jazz somewhere it had never been before and in the process it created a new style of jazz which was later called free jazz. The impact of this new form of music can be seen outside of the jazz sphere as well. Look no further than psychedelic music such as the incredible single Eight Miles High by the Birds or A Day in the Life by the Beatles. That chaotic, crazy, overwhelming sound can really be traced back to Coleman and harmonics. It led the way for many more avant-garde albums and for that reason alone it deserves this spot on the list but it's also an emotional beautiful passionate and interesting record sure it's not for everybody but for those who it is for it's spectacular in the number three spot we have Miles Davis with Kind of Blue and where do you even begin with this one Miles Davis masterpiece Kind of Blue is not only the most commercially successful jazz album of all time, in 2019 it went five times platinum, meaning it has sold over five million copies, it's also the most critically acclaimed. On Rolling Stone, for example, they considered it to be the 12th best album of all time. It is appropriately called one of the cornerstones of recorded music and a defining moment in 20th century music. It is an essential listen for any music fan, regardless of what your opinion on jazz is why is it regarded as such? And In order to understand the huge impact this record has, we need to understand a little bit of the context. Miles Davis was a successful bebop player at the time. His album Birth of the Cool is an essential bebop album that pushed the genre in unique ways. However, near the close of the decade, Miles became somewhat disillusioned with bebop. He said that he felt limited by the same chord progressions and felt like he needed to push the genre into a new field. With the help of his friend and composer George Russell, Davis began experimenting in an entirely new form of jazz called modal jazz. Modal jazz consisted of improvised music that was performed in a scalar or horizontal way. For those of you who don't understand much about music theory, just think of it as a tool that jazz musicians use to produce new, unique sounds on their instruments. Davis first experimented with modal jazz on the album Milestones. Think of that album as sort of a preview for Kind of Blue. But the reason why Kind of Blue stands out is it features some of the most iconic modal jazz pieces. For example, So What and Flamingo Sketches, among others. It also has one of the greatest sextets in jazz history. features the legendary John Coltrane, uh, perhaps my favorite jazz artist ever, Cannonball Adderley, Miles Davis, (laughs) of course, Bill Evans, Paul Chambers, and Jimmy Cobb. The technical skill on display on this album is remarkable. Kind of Kind of Blue is definitely my favorite Davis album, and it's certainly one of my favorite albums ever. If you're looking for something to match a rainy day vibe or something to calm your nerves on a late night drive, this is your album. It's pretty much the most chill album ever made. To me, the standout track is "Flamingo Sketches." The John Coltrane sax solo on that bad boy is the stuff of legend. I'm telling you guys, it's legendary. I swear it should be illegal to have a saxophone solo that is this beautiful. Uh, it being placed third on my list is more a testament to the quality of the albums that came out of in 1959, rather a detriment to this particular album. The next two albums um, are really special to me and um, had a huge impact on my um, arrival at liking jazz music and my jazz exploration period. So, up next at the number two spot, we have Charles Mingus with Mingus Ah-um. All right, so weird way to start off this portion, but I have never noticed that there is a cat in the album cover. So I'll probably have this posted on like the YouTube video or, or whatever that it is, but so you can see it, but there is definitely a cat in that album cover. I, I've never noticed that before. Maybe I'm just seeing it, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's a cat. Um, anyways, Charles Mingus is truly one of the great minds in jazz. He's um, a bass uh, maestro, he's one of the great bass players, he's a great compositionist, he's a great soloist, and many people look at this album as being his magnum opus. Well, I certainly agree that it is a masterpiece, I would argue that his album, The Black Saint and The Sinner Lady, is his greatest achievement. Not to the detriment of this album, though. It's It's fantastic the album, Mingus gives tribute to some of his inspirers. Think of this record as a sort of mini history lesson of jazz. Better Get It In Your Soul is a tribute to gospel music. Open Letter To Duke is a clear homage to Duke Ellington, while Bird Calls honors bebop legend Charlie Bird Parker. Despite all the clear nods to previous legends, Mingus Ahum develops and manages to be its own thing. Some things, sometimes, the best thing that an artist can do, in my opinion, is to, isn't to innovate or to push the envelope, but it is simply to do what has already been done in a spectacular, really well way. Mingus Ahum, while perhaps not the most innovative jazz album ever produced, is certainly one of the most fun jazz albums. And for me, that's the best part of the record. I always have a blast listening to it. The performances are, of course, spectacular all around. There's also just this fun sense of humor, like I guess the cat in the album cover, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, the first time I listened to the album, I remember laughing at the names of the tracks. Uh, some of them are some of the most bizarre track names you'll ever hear, like Goodbye Porky Pie Hat or Boogie Stop Shuffle, Self Portrait in Three Colors, Jelly Roll, etc. Right? Just really strange names. And to match the strange names, there are just some very bizarre instrumental moments. And if you want an example of that, listen to Bird Calls. That the opening is just so sporadic and, and strange that it always gets a chuckle out of me. Uh, there's also just so much variety on this bad boy. It always keeps me on my toes. It's like almost suspenseful. I don't know what's going to come next. Um, uh, yeah, just look at, just compare the tracks, Boogie Stop Shuffle to Goodbye Pie Hat. One is a classic jazz swinger while the other is an affectionate ballad dedicated to Lester Young, the deceased bandmate. You could also just as easily contrast Jelly Roll to Self-Portrait in Three Colors, or the classic track Better Get It in Your Soul to Pussycat Do's. Mingus understands that jazz is a medium that can bring joy into the lives of the listener. The album for me is the emotion of happiness somehow captured and placed on vinyl. While it may be an acquired taste, if there's a, if you're a jazz fan, there's nothing not to like about this remarkable piece of art. which brings us to the number 1 spot my favorite album of the year 1959 probably my favorite jazz album ever which is the Dave Brubeck Quartet's Time Out and just to get you started the Dave Brubeck Quartet's Time Out happens to be one of the greatest selling jazz albums of all time it was one of the first jazz, it was the first jazz album to sell over a million copies and if i was going to suggest any album to someone who has never listened to jazz before i would hastily suggest to them this album it's their magnum opus definitely in my opinion so to give you a little bit of context in 1958 the united states government sent dave brubeck and his band behind the iron curtain to perform in various live concerts Um, and that might seem interesting like why would the u.s government send a jazz band to perform in soviet territory but their reasoning they believed was that jazz was one of the greatest symbolisms of american virtues such as liberty artistic expression, uh, the ability to improvise, etc. They they felt like it embodied the American dream. Uh, While performing in Turkey, he was exposed to Turkish music, which implements unique time signatures that were uncommon in Western music. Inspired by the unique time signatures, Brubeck began to write music for his next album that included many different times. You have to understand that up to this point, jazz was usually only placed in 4-4 time signature. This album opened the floodgate that allowed for experimentation with time not only in jazz but for western music in general the most famous example of unique time signatures can be found in the track take five and appropriately it is named because it is in five four time signature it is also noteworthy for featuring an incredible drum solo from the one and only joe morello it went on to become the highest selling jazz single of all time Another noteworthy track is Blue Rondo a la Turk, which begins in 9-8 time, converts to 4-4 time, then goes back to 9-8. And um, if you listen to it, uh, the first time I listened to it, I was just amazed, kind of sent into a dizzy frenzy with how fast it was, how beautiful it was. Has a great piano solo, has some great improv moments, It's just a great jazz song. Um, While it is a remarkable album in terms of how it revolutionized jazz and western music, to me it's also just such a gorgeous, lush jazz album. Um, Strange Metal Lark features a gorgeous opening piano solo that transitions into a lovely waltz with a lush saxophone lead. The aforementioned Joe Morello has plenty of time to shine across the whole album. His drumming is punchy, textured, and very classy. This album had a significant impact on my exposure to jazz. Before I listened to it, I didn't enjoy jazz for the most part, but this album helped me to see just how beautiful, fun, exciting, and innovative this wonderful art form could be. It's probably one of the most beautiful albums to listen to as well. Seriously, even if you are the most stingy jazz hater, you gotta listen to this record. It's just so good. There's something here for everyone. And um, so there you have it. My six favorite jazz albums from 1959 my my six favorite albums from 1959 um it's the year that pushed the genre to new heights and like i mentioned earlier prophesied of the music scene to come of course there are many other great albums that came out in 1959 but these are the records that best encapsulate what made this time so special I highly recommend that you listen to at least one of these albums if for nothing else than to listen to something new. Expand your musical taste a little bit. Dip your feet into water that you've never deep dipped your feet in before. Make sure that you listen to my playlist on Spotify as well. Um, my playlist, Best Songs of 1959, has a lot of these tracks on there if you're curious and listening to it. Also listen, tune in on the 23rd of this month to hear me talk about some of the best albums of 1960. And, Of course, this is just my opinion, but um, just want to let you guys know. I'm grateful that you listened. Uh, I hope you have a great day. Until next time, hasta luego.